Hey, we got a really cool speaker today. His name's Alex Chase from Billings. He's been here a few times. He's become a great friend of ours. And uh, the really neat thing is that Alex has uh, now decided him and his family are going to plant a church in Billings. So uh, I'd ask that you guys start praying around uh, Alex, his family, and his team as they work towards opening a new church in Billings. So would you welcome Alex to the stage, please? Well, it's always a treat to be with you here at Journey, and my admiration for this church and the leadership continues to grow, and so it's just great to be with you. Well, way to go on making it to the 9 o'clock service. I even see some young people here, because I know some college students that don't get up until the crack of noon, and so because you are here at 9 o'clock, this would make you the frozen chosen. Way to go. Well, tis the season when the holiday fudge starts turning into the holiday pudge. And for some people, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And for others, this season can be the most difficult time of the year. But what a great opportunity for us as the body of Christ, as the church, to share a message of hope, And do things that help people during this season. And I know that you will do your part and more. And it's an honor to be associated with you. Well, the other day my wife and I went to visit a couple. And we had been to their house before in Billings. But neither of us could exactly remember where they lived. And so... We got in the car, and and usually there's this time constraint. you got to get there at a certain time. I don't know if this ever happens to you as a married couple, but when we're in a car and we get a little lost, we start getting a little annoyed with each other. My wife and I are both firstborn, so we like to be in charge, and we like to be right. Now, we weren't having a full-blown argument. We were just a little edgy with each other. And we have this thing in lighter moments that we do. We're lost, and I'll say to my wife, Hey, who's driving this car? And she'll say, That's what I'm wondering. It's kind of our inside joke. So we get to this house, and I guess the irony of all this is we're, we're annoyed at each other as we're going to visit someone who's dying of cancer. And uh, we had uh, developed a a relationship with this man, and he could no longer leave the house, so I brought my guitar, and we would go, and we'd bring church to him and his wife, and so we would worship together, and we would pray, and we would read scripture, and I have to tell you something, in those moments when someone is face-to-face with eternity, worship and prayer And just loving on them and God's word seems incredibly meaningful. His devoted wife rarely left the house over the months that he was sick. And it ended up that was actually the last time we saw him because he passed away this past week. So when we left and got into our car, we began to talk about how one day we would need to say goodbye to one another and somehow those little petty annoyances and those little arguments 
seem so pointless and visiting someone who was at the point of death really brought a fresh perspective to our marriage and to our life. So I want to ask you a question today. When was the last time you stopped to really think deeply and carefully about your life and about your death? Now, you might be thinking, great, I come to church to be cheered up, and instead of ho, 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 you want to talk about death? Well, I'm not trying to be morbid, but there is something very helpful and clarifying in coming face to face with our mortality. So I want to challenge you to do that. The other day, I read a story from the Old Testament that grabbed my attention. And it really made me think about my life. It spoke to my heart, and I know it'll speak to your heart as well, because it's the Word of God. Let me set up the background for you. The story surrounds a king by the name of Hezekiah who was a great king. He was a righteous king. Now, if you look at the annals of the history of the kings of Israel and Judah, there were a lot of spiritual knuckleheads that ended up on the throne, but Hezekiah was a good king. He became king at age 25, but at age 37, he faced two of the greatest challenges of his life. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we read the story of how the Syrians came, invaded the land, and they were knocking on the doors of Jerusalem when Hezekiah was king. Now, the Syrians were known for their torture tactics and psychological warfare, so you did not want to be conquered by these people. At the same time, he was facing this incredible leadership crisis. He also faced a personal crisis. He became very sick. And it's at this point in time, when Hezekiah is about 37 years old, that we pick up the story. And you can listen as I read 2 Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. That's another way of saying, find a successor to the throne. Because you are going to die, you will not recover. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, most likely turned to the temple. And pray to the Lord, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. When Hezekiah faced the two greatest challenges of his life, he did what he did time and time again. He turned to the Lord and he prayed. And Hezekiah wept Bitterly. You can read his lament about his impending death in Isaiah chapter 38, where he pours his heart out in very uh, poetic and profound ways. Now, why did Hezekiah weep bitterly? Perhaps he wept bitterly because at this point he had no heir to the throne. His son Manasseh, who would succeed him, had not yet been born at this time, 
when he thought he was going to die from this illness. Perhaps he wept bitterly because there was a crisis in the nation and he didn't want to leave things unresolved and to see the Assyrians come and conquer Judah. Or maybe he wept bitterly because he loved life and he just didn't want to die. You know, there's something wrong about death. If you've ever lost a loved one, there's something not right about it. And the reason that death just doesn't feel good, doesn't feel right, is because death was never God's original plan for you and I. But here's the good news. Because of the life and death and resurrection of Christ, we can have hope beyond the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, The very last enemy to be abolished is death. And through the work on the cross, Christ defeated the enemy of death. And you and I can have hope, not only for this life, but in the life to come. Verse 4, But something happens when Hezekiah prayed. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. Listen very carefully. Because I believe this is not just a word to a king thousands of years ago, but it very well could be a word to you and I this morning. I have heard your prayer And seeing your tears, I will heal you. And maybe some of you this morning need to hear the word of the Lord that says to you, I have heard your prayers, I have seen your tears, and I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the kings of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Hezekiah thought he was going to die. But the prophet comes to him and says, God heard your prayer and he's added 15 years to your life. So if you look in the historical records, Hezekiah died in 686 B.C. So at the age of 37, he was very well aware he had 15 years left in his life. So here's my question to you. How would you live if you knew you had 15 years from this point left? Would you live differently? What if you knew you had 10 years left? Or maybe 5 years? Or maybe just one year, would it change the way you live? Would it change your priorities? When I read this story, I began to think about my life. And I thought, what if I had 15 years left and I knew that was it, my time on earth? You know what I think I would do? I think I would worry less, especially about money. I think I would get stressed out less about things that really don't matter. I think I would laugh more, enjoy the simple things of life more. I think I would love more, and I think I would say I love you more to friends and family. 
I think I would express that more readily. I think I would argue less with family. I think I'd be less concerned about what people think and I would be more concerned about what God thinks. I think I would give more time to helping people to come to know Christ both locally and globally. I think I would do less multitasking. You know what I've discovered about multitasking? For me, it's just a way of not doing anything well. I remember one time early in my marriage when I was multitasking, I was reading the newspaper while I was having a conversation with my wife. She came over, brushed the newspaper aside, sat on my lap and looked into my eyes and said, Hi. And I understood at that point that multitasking, reading the newspaper and trying to carry on a conversation with my wife probably wasn't a good thing. And what I've discovered is I actually want to do less multitasking and I want to really listen to my wife and to my kids. And when I have a conversation, I want to be fully there. I don't want to be so distracted. And I think I want to spend more time listening for the voice of God praying and reading his word and getting to know him better. I think if I knew I had 15 years left, those are some of the things I would do more of. You know the great thing about the Bible? This is not just some historical record of things that happened long ago. This is an incredible owner's manual for life and love. And there's some great instruction in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, about how to live life. Because here's really what this message is all about. And if you remember just one thing when you walk out these doors, think about not just looking at your life from this vantage point forward, but think about looking at your life from the end backwards, because that will often clarify What really matters. Again and again and again, the scriptures encourage us to start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. Because when you think about the end of your race, it will clarify what's important at every stage of life. What really matters in the final analysis. Start with the end in mind. And one of the ways that we can do that is to make the most of every opportunity that God gives to us. And there's some great, practical, helpful instruction in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. And can I ask you this morning to just read this scripture out loud with me? Let's read God's word together. Ready? Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Would you underline that word opportunity in your notes? Here's what the Bible says. Foolish people have no strategy for life, so they miss God-given opportunities because the days are evil. And living in a foolish way doesn't just mean we miss opportunities. It means we don't understand God's will 
God's purpose for our lives. And many Christians sort of drift along in life with no intentionality. And the Bible says, be very careful how you walk or how you live. Think about your life. Take some time to consider your ways. Now, there are two words in the New Testament uh, that uh, in the Greek are translated in the English to the word time. So there are two words that are translated as time. The first is chronos. Now that word probably sounds familiar because it's where we get the word chronological. And chronos is the march of time that we cannot stop. We can no more stop time than we can stand in a river in our own human effort and stop the flow of that water. There is a march of time that's rushing by. Hey, we're all getting older and the mortality rate is still 100%. So sometimes the Bible translates the word chronos as time in just a general sense of the movement of time. But in Ephesians 5, 16, in the passage we just read, it's the word kairos. And kairos is the word that is translated as time or opportunity. It's a point in time. Your Bible may say to redeem the time or to make the most of your time. And what kairos is, it's a point in time that is a chance to do something that really makes a difference. But if we miss it, it's a chance with an expiration date because once it's gone, it's gone. And the Bible says God has given to us a kairos moment or an opportunity to do something that will glorify God and that will help other people. And we are to walk in wisdom. Now, here's the other thing. Our English word opportunity comes from the Latin word that means toward the port. And the idea is that a wise pilot or a captain will know which port he's headed to, and he will use the wind and the tide to get him there, but a foolish captain won't know where he's headed, and so no wind is the right wind. And God is calling us to be people who know which port we're to be at and to understand God's will for our lives day after day after day. So he gives us these kairos opportunities. Now, we're all at different ages and stages of life here. Some of you are in the early years of your race. Perhaps you're a student, a young single. Hey, I remember when I was 22 years old, I was living overseas, working with an organization called Youth with the Mission, and I could literally pack up my bags everything I owned, and I could move from one country to another in a matter of a week. That's how much flexibility and freedom I had at that point in my life. I was single, I was on adventure, and then a couple years later, I was married with a kid, and it took a week just to get out of the house. I remember the first trip we took with our baby girl. I had a business trip, and I thought, I'll bring my family. So my wife and uh, daughter came along, and I remember walking into that hotel with our stroller and diaper bag and all the accoutrements and fold-up 
crib. And when we walked into that lobby, I know what the staff was thinking. Are you guys spending the night or are you moving in? And then we went out to a restaurant to try to have a nice dinner together. And and my daughter just cried the whole time. So we had to just get the food to go. and, And after we got back home, it was like, now why did we do that? See, it was a different stage of life, and every age and stage of life has its unique challenges, and it has its unique opportunities. And if you're single and you're a student, you have some opportunities right now, some freedom in your life to do some things for God that will be a little bit more challenging later. Hey, we have some friends that are Uh, young couples that are expecting their first child. And we're excited for them. Uh, And and those of you that have raised kids, you know how this works. When someone is expecting their first child, what do you do? You congratulate them, you hug them, you pat them on the back, you send them gifts, and you're really excited for them as you should be. But if you've raised kids, you know exactly what's going through your mind. You're smiling, but what you're thinking is, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into for the next 18 plus years. Isn't that true? It's a commitment that can be a 24-7 assignment. And for those of you that are raising little kids, you might be thinking, opportunity What is that? I'm just constantly running around trying to keep, you know, on top of everything. And if you have kids at home, this may be the stage of your life where you don't get to do everything you want. Maybe some of your hobbies may need to go by the wayside. But listen, if your kids are still at home, this is an opportunity for you to love them, invest in them, and influence them because one day they'll be out of the house and you will not be the primary influence in their lives. So take advantage of the season that God has given to you. It may be that being a parent is the main thing he's called you to at this time. Some of you are in that middle age stage of life where perhaps you're empty nesters. The little birds have flown the nest But don't worry, they will fly back home for some food, to do laundry, to have a safe place once in a while. And as you're in that stage where maybe your kids are grown up and they're out of the house and you're making plans, perhaps a lot of financial plans about your future, here's my question to you. Is the will of God at the center of your planning or is it just an afterthought? Because you, too, have some opportunities at this season of your life to do the will of God. And perhaps you're at that point of retirement. And you are now at a place where perhaps you have more time and more money than you've had before. More resources. And listen, it's perfectly good to enjoy some of the fruit of your labors over the years, but don't just make it about retirement. Think about how God could take the resource of of time 
in finances at this stage of your life and use that in kingdom ways. You know, I remember when I uh, was a pastor in Polson, I was a young pastor. It was my first time leading a church. And there was this couple that was getting ready to retire. And I knew they liked to play golf. And I said something to them like, you're not just going to retire and play golf, are you? Why don't you do something significant? (laughs) And uh, they actually took that to heart. They still played some golf. But they have for the last, oh, 10, 15 years or more, have spent part of the time in Montana enjoying the things that they love to do. But they've also traveled all over the world taking young people on missions trips and doing something in their retirement years that was more difficult when they had little kids at home. Different ages and stages, different opportunities and different challenges. Now, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, opportunity isn't the word I would use. Maybe you uh, were married once and now you're single. Perhaps you're a single parent. Maybe you're remarried and you're working through some challenges with a step family and they really feel more like obstacles to you rather than opportunities. But can I challenge you, even if you're just at that place where you're just feeling like emotionally or maybe even financially, you're just keeping your head above water, can I challenge you to do what Hezekiah did? Turn to the Lord. Don't try to face this season in your own strength. And perhaps this is a season for you to receive from the body of Christ, to receive help and encouragement. Whatever stage of life you're in, I know that he is giving to you opportunities. Don't miss them. Well, I'd like for you to look in your notes because there are some things that you can be thinking about in terms of the opportunities that God has given to you. You know, the other day I I talked to a guy who had a similar story to Hezekiah's in a way. He got really sick and his symptoms seemed fatal and he thought he was going to die. Well, the good news is uh, whatever the illness was, he fully recovered and he's married and, and has kids and, you know, he has a decent job. But you know what happened? Going through that experience gave him a sense of urgency because he had these dreams about ministry that were always there, but he didn't know quite what to do with that. So he was very wise. He didn't just quit his job the next day and walk out. But he has this plan that in about four or five years from now, he'll transition out of that job to do some of the things that he feels that God is calling him to do. That experience created a sense of urgency, and he began to be very intentional about his life. Here's why it's so important for you and I to be constantly seeking the will of God. The Bible says the days are evil, and if we're not careful and we're not intentional, we will just be caught up in the evil current of our society, and we will end up in places we never intended to, and we will waste time and energy and resources on things that are not the will of God. Listen, even dead fish can float downstream. But we want to live thinking with the end in mind. We want to live 
understanding the will of God. We want to live in such a way that we're strategic about our life. So my question to you is, what has the Holy Spirit been prompting you to do? What, is, what has He been speaking to you about lately? And what God-given kairos moments are there at this season of your life? And in your notes, you'll find some blank spaces regarding family. Is this a season you need to invest in your kids? Is this a season to invest in your marriage? Are there family members that God is calling you to reach out to? Perhaps there's a friend that you need to reconnect with or a friendship that you need to develop. Maybe God has given you such great blessing in terms of resources. This is a time in your life where you can do something with that financially. And what about your faith? Is your faith in Christ something that impacts the decisions that you make, where you spend your time and your treasure and your talents? Would you just take a few moments today to think about what God would be speaking to your heart about? Because when that opportunity, that moment is gone, it's gone. June 20th, 2010 is a day that I will never forget. We were in Billings and it was a a weird and and windy day. In fact, we had this incredible windstorm blow through. And it was so windy at one point I thought I saw Dorothy and Toto go by. And a tornado touched down in Billings and ripped the roof off the Metra Arena. Perhaps you read about that in the paper. Just a strange night, and, and my wife and I were feeling spiritually restless, like something was around the corner, and it was just a, a weird day for us. And it just so happened that from that point on, we entered into a season of great soul-searching, wondering, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? And what are we supposed to do in this particular season of our lives? Because in many ways, our, our world was turned upside down through a set of circumstances. I also remember that night, we watched a documentary about a dad who wanted to leave a legacy for his two daughters. And after we finished watching the show and turned the TV off, My wife and I had one of those conversations that husbands and wives do about what really matters in life. And so we began to talk about it. What what is it that's important to us? What do we want to give our lives for? And I took out my little black book that I wrote important notes in and made a list of lifelong friends that I wanted to reconnect with all over the country that we wanted to just... Uh, strengthen our relationship with them because they had been important people in our lives. Then I wrote down, we wrote down a list of people that we knew in the Billings area that we wanted to do life and ministry with because the conclusion we came to is that what matters in life is to do the will of God, to do what Jesus is asking us to do with people that we really love. In the final analysis, family and close friendships and doing what Jesus asked us to do was really what mattered in the final analysis. 
Make the most of every opportunity that God has given to you at this season of your life. And if you remember just one thing, here it is. Start with the end in mind. I want to invite you to just go ahead and set aside your notes and uh, everything else for a moment and would invite you to go ahead and uh, bow your heads if you would and just close your eyes and this doesn't make you any more holy. It just helps you to focus in an undistracted way on what God is saying to you. We have rare moments to just hit the pause button and listen to the voice of God without all the noise that constantly bombards us. So right now, you have been given a Kairos opportunity to listen to the voice of God and to respond to Him. Now, you might be at Journey for the first time. Maybe this thing called church is brand new to you, but I want you to know something. Whether you're here for the first time or you are a regular attender, you're not here by accident. You might have been invited by a friend, but you know, ultimately, you've been invited by the Lord to this point in time because He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants you to know He sees your tears. He hears your prayers. He wants you to know that you don't have to be alone and that there can be a purpose to your life. You don't just have to drift along hoping that one day you find out why you're here. See, everyone lives. Everyone dies. But not everyone truly lives. And if you're here this morning, you would say, Alex, I'm drifting. I I just want to be honest. I don't have a clear sense of relationship with Christ. I I don't really know what my life is about. And today, I want to respond to what Christ did for me on the cross. That He died for me. That He forgives my sins. That he gives me the offer of abundant life and eternal life. And I just want to turn my back on this pointless, selfish way of living. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. When we turn our back on our sinfulness and we turn toward the Lord in humility. And every time we do that, he meets us. And if you're ready this morning to take a step of faith and say yes to Christ, to say yes to what he extends to you today, to say yes to what he's accomplished for you. We're not going to embarrass you, but we want you to take a a next step and we want to agree with you and partner with you. And if you're making a decision right now to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, Would you just slip up your hand and then just keep your hand up long enough so I can make eye contact with you? Because I'd like to make this personal and meaningful. If you're saying yes to him, just slip up your hand and then look right up at me so I can partner with you this morning. Yes. Yeah, I see there. Yes, as well. Yes, I agree with you in the back. Yes, you as well. God bless you. Anyone else this morning who would like to take that step of faith and just say, Jesus... Yes, I agree with you as well. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? 
It's just a simple way of acknowledging that God's speaking to you and that you're just responding to what he's doing in your heart. Anyone else this morning? I want to make sure we don't miss anyone. While eyes are still closed, many of you in this room have a relationship with Christ. Perhaps you've walked with him for many years. But you know in this God moment that there are some things that he's been calling you to stop doing or perhaps things that he has called you to start doing. Those of you that have some freedom and flexibility, college students, singles, do you want to look back at this stage of your life and say, yeah, I, I really spent a lot of that time partying and consume with video games? Or do you want to say, you know, I had opportunities at Journey and I gave a couple hours a week or a couple hours a month to get the life-changing message of the gospel out, maybe serving on the tech team or in kids' ministry, doing something at this stage of your life when maybe you have some more flexibility in your schedule. I don't know what God's saying to you. You might be at that stage of your life where you're looking back with a lot of regrets. And maybe you can't go back and change those decisions and undo the consequences, but if you will bring the pain and the regrets to Him, God can redeem that situation and you can start living the rest of your life with greater passion and purpose. But if you would say this morning, I know God's been calling me to do something, the next seven days or so, I'm going to take the next steps. I want you to have the courage to slip up your hand. And by slipping up your hand, you're identifying a particular point of obedience. And you're saying, as he gives me strength, I'm going to do it. Just go ahead and slip up your hand and I'll agree with you. Yeah. 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 I agree with you as well. Yes. Yeah. In the back. Yes. And yes. Yes. In the very back there. I agree with you as well. Yes, God bless you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know that none of us are in this room, this auditorium by accident. We could be at any point in time. We could be really any place. But you've called us to be here and you have a purpose for us. Lord, I pray especially for those this morning who raise their hand to say, I'm giving my heart to you. I need you. I believe you and I trust in you. Lord, you know what their life is like when they walk out these doors. You know the challenges, the problems, the obstacles that they face. But Lord, I'm so grateful that they don't have to face those things alone because you've promised to be with them. And by your Holy Spirit, I believe, There is a new life taking place in their hearts right now, in their spirits. A new birth, a new perspective. And suddenly your voice will be clearer. And I pray that as they take time to read your word, that you would speak to them through the Bible. Lord, would you do what no other person can do, which is to give them a fresh start, a second chance, and an eternal purpose to live. Lord, would you do a miracle in their hearts? God, you know the circumstances of their lives. You know what they need. And I believe you will meet them this morning as they have taken a step toward you. And Lord, for others that know you and love you and 
perhaps are at a season of their life where they need to be more diligent, more intentional, more obedient to the prompting of your Holy Spirit to seize this moment to make a difference in their family or perhaps in, in the life of a friend or here at Journey or in this community, in the, in the world that you've called them to be a light to. Lord, would you give them the strength and the courage to do that? Lord, don't allow this moment to just pass by when the service is over. Would you give them what they need to follow you with all their hearts? Lord, we love you. We are so grateful to serve you. And we give you thanks in your precious name. Amen.